0: Are you ready for God's Word? Amen, amen, amen. You know, I start off that way every Sunday because I want you to know that God's Word is important, and God's Word changes lives. I need you to get that deep down in your heart. This is not just a book. It's a supernatural Word from God Almighty designed to change our lives. And when we approach it that way, it really does change lives. I want to ask you, if your life has been changed by the gospel message of Jesus Christ and the holy word of God, would you just raise your hand, give testimony? So if you're here today and you're thinking, does it work? Oh, it works if you work it. The the thing is, so many people read it and they never do apply it. And you know, the, the truth is, Far more don't even read it. We'll have, we have several Bibles on, on, you know, in our bookshelves, on our coffee tables, on our apps on our phone. But if you read it, it will change your life. And, and I just want to speak life to the young families in this church. Listen, raising a family in this day and age can be tough. It can be. But I want you to know God is for you. He's for your family. The idea of family and marriage was his idea. It was his idea, he instituted it. And so if you wanna be blessed, get into God's word. Raise your children in that word. Teach them to revere it and honor it. And if you allow it to change your life, I promise you, you'll be a better husband. Start off with the guys first. No amens, ladies. You'll be a better wife. And, and it will help you in big and small ways. And if you're, a, if you're a young family, if you are a family of any sort, if you're single and you're here uh, today, I want you to know God is for you and God is for giving you an amazing life. But you've got to trust him in it. Amen. You've got to trust him. You know, that's why the Bible says in the book of, in the book of uh, Hebrews, excuse me, in the book of Hebrews, that without faith... You cannot please God because it takes trust. You've got to trust the Lord. You've got to, and, and we'll talk more about that as we go along because today we are concluding our sermon series entitled King Jesus. We're concluding it today. Now, I want you to, uh, to realize something. We covered a few things. We covered humble king, human king, divine king, savior king, and king of kings. Last week, we covered king of kings. This week, we finish it. I knew last week that I wouldn't be able to get through all that I want to get through. And so today, I want to talk to you about the second half of Jesus Christ being the name above all names. He is the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. And when I think of King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I can't help but think of the book of Revelation because the book of Revelation shows Christ as he is and as he's returning. And when he returns, he's not going to be, I say this all the time, he's not going to come back as a broken man on a cross or a baby in a cradle in the dirt. He's coming back as the conquering king of all glory who's going to split the sky (laughs) wide open. He's going to split the sky wide open. The the clouds are going to roll back. And the reason I say this is because it's interesting. The world is getting hip to supernatural things again. There was a while there where everything had to be proven by science. And now people are doing all kinds of crazy supernatural stuff. There is nothing more supernatural and more profound than the word of God. And the word of God tells you that Christ will come in all his glory. Every single prophecy found in this book has been fulfilled that, has, that was to be fulfilled. Not once has one missed. And there's something else I want to share with you. There's many more that are being fulfilled right now in your lifetime. In your lifetime. If I have time, uh, next sermon series, I'll cover some of those. But I want you to know Jesus Christ is coming back. And when I think of him coming back, I can't help but think of this verse, which we sang a portion of it this, uh, this morning. In the book of Revelation, chapter five, the Bible says, Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven... Or on the earth, or under the earth, was able to open the scroll, or to even look at it. So I wept, John is speaking here, he wept because no one was found worthy to open and to read the scroll, or to look at it. Verse 5, but one of the elders said to me, do not weep, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. The root of Jesse has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seals. What is the Bible telling us? The Bible is telling us that there is a name above all names that is worthy of glory and honor and reverence and praise. And the name is Jesus. Why? Why is he worthy? Because no one has ever lived a perfect, sinless life, and conquered death like Jesus did. I want you to think of the curse of death and sin. The Bible calls it the the law of sin and death. Come on, is anyone here able to defy gravity? Anyone? Well, that's the same thing when you say, is anyone here able to defy sin and death? Come on, every one of us knows what it's like to sin. We know that awful feeling of shame and guilt. And that's why people would rather erase God because they have no eraser for their sin. When you have no eraser for your guilt and shame, you try to erase God. How does that work? You say, well, there is no God, therefore there is no sin. And I've got to quiet this Awful feeling that I feel. I gotta quiet it. I've gotta I've gotta excuse it. I've gotta I gotta just do whatever I have to do to quiet this feeling that I cannot get rid of this this feeling of guilt and shame. Can I tell you there is a solution? His name is Jesus because he came and conquered sin and death and the grave and silenced the both of both. He silenced the boast of sin in the grave. Think about what does the grave boast about? The grave boasts about is I am undefeated. I've taken every human down. Not a one has lived sinless until Jesus came. He lived sinless. Now we said he was the son of God and the son of man. See, he had to do it from our side. And to do it from our side, the Holy Spirit came and performed the immaculate conception there in Mary. Meaning he was God and human at the same time. This is important because some people say, but how can he be human and not sin by the power of the Holy Spirit? Can I tell you that the Bible says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God with God, and the Word was God. Now, this is super important because the Holy Spirit kept Jesus in the flesh from being contaminated with sin. Because think about it. Every human has been tainted with sin. So to be human means to have original sin. That doesn't mean you might sin It may happen. No, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You can see the evidence of original sin in your two-year-old. I say this often because you don't have to teach a two-year-old how to be selfish. It comes very, very natural to them. You have to teach them the opposite. And so this is what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit kept that child from having original sin. And it was the power of the Holy Spirit. This is important. That helped Jesus walk. Now, take that to the word of God. Because some have said, how can a book written by men not have errors, not have sin?" The same way the Holy Spirit kept Jesus' flesh from being tainted by original sin is the same Holy Spirit that led the writing of this word, and it is perfect in every way, shape, and form. And so today we're going to talk more about this magnificent spirit of the living God. But before I do that, I want to talk to you about, uh, about my father, my father. I've been thinking about my father lately because um, Pastor Melissa's grandmother, uh, Miss Velia, who usually sits right here and you've known her for years, she's been a part of our church for the last 20 years, has fallen ill. And she's been in the hospital and our family has been tending and helping her mother especially. And we've been praying and many of you have been praying and we, we appreciate it. But you know what I find interesting is that God has been so gracious He's given her 94 years. All of her children are alive and her grandchildren, and, and, and she has so much care. But we, we don't know if she'll get better or if the Lord's going to call her home. Either way, we do know that her future is secure. How do we know it's secure? Because we know that Jesus Christ conquered the sin and the grave that used to boast over all of us that used to loom over all of us and so but but when you think about how frail we are and that this life quickly passes even 94 years she would tell you went so quickly you know it's like that Kenny Chesney song don't blink don't blink that's the advice someone gives you when they've lived 94 years of age don't blink because it'll be gone in an instant. And so as I've been thinking about that, I've realized that, you know, I need to get closer to my father. I love my father. he's a great dad and he's been a great dad and I can remember loving to spend time with him and I can remember when I was young and he would hold me. You ever remember when being tired and you go like this to dad and dad looks at you and he's like, you're getting big. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? You're getting big. But nevertheless. And I used to say the same thing to my children. I used to say, I'm not going to get to hold you forever. And so Evie used to play on that. Daddy, I'm not going to be little forever. (laughs) And I'd hold her and I'd say, I'd love to hold you. And so you can still do that to your heavenly father. Dad, I need, I just need, I'm tired. And so... But I can remember calling him daddy when I was young and then there comes a point where you get too cool and you have to change that, especially around your friends, right? And you don't call him daddy no more. You call him what? Dad. (laughs) No, dad. Yeah, dad. Absolutely, dad. But you know something interesting is happening? I'll tell you about that after I tell you about Jesus. See, Jesus called his daddy, daddy so affectionately. And with so much honor, they wanted to kill him for it. Why? Well, read the Bible with me. In John chapter 5, verse 18, the Bible says, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Why did they seek all the more to kill him? Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but watch, but also said that God was his father. Can you imagine calling God father with so much love that it makes the religious So angry they want to kill you? Oh, he, he, there was so much affection there. There was so much reverence. There was so much meaning behind the way he called his father, father, that they wanted to kill him. They said, he's trying to make himself equal with God. Maybe they thought of this type of language when he said, and now, oh, father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Maybe they heard that. Or maybe they heard him say this to others. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in who is in heaven. Can I tell you, Jesus would speak the word Father so beautifully, with so much affection, that it meant something that they wanted to kill him for it. But there's one time in all of Scripture that there, there's one time he doesn't refer to the Father as Father, he refers to him as God. One time in all of Scripture, you want to know where that is? It's found in the book of Matthew. and. And and it would be Matthew to record it because Matthew is very particular in the way that he records. I believe that's why the chosen depict Matthew that way, because many commentators have said Matthew was different. His gospel's different. He he records details and, and some things that just, just really jump out at you. And so, so this technical verse here is very, very important. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Notice, he didn't say father, father, why? Because he must have Felt the distance that our sin on him at that moment created between him and God. See, sin makes us distant from God. And in that moment, the Son of God and the Son of Man was bearing the sin of the world upon his shoulders. But how could he do it in a moment? You're thinking inside of time and space, but the Son of God is able to pay for it infinitely outside of our confined little box, we call this world. And as he's paying for that sin, and he's buying us back, he's redeeming us, he's ransoming us, he feels the distance that sin creates. You know what? You see that today in that people will either say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, and it means something, or they just simply say, yeah, I believe in God. When someone says, yeah, I believe in God, you know, and it's just real generic like that, you know there's a sin problem there. Yeah, but how do you know? Well, it could at least be the sin problem of lack of belief. because you know not to believe in Jesus is a sin. It's actually the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is to say to the Holy Spirit, I don't want salvation. I'm gonna go at it on my own, pride. You can believe in God and still go to hell. The devil believes and he trembles, but it doesn't save him, the Bible says in the book of James. So what am I saying? I'm saying this. Check your heart. Check your heart. Is God more than God? Is he Father? Is Jesus your Savior King? He is my Savior, my Lord, my King. He's changed everything. He gave me new life. You know, I was talking to a man the other day. I say the other day, it was several years ago. He came in and he said, Pastor, I have a word of prophecy or knowledge for you. And I said, okay, um, what, what do you want? And he says, I want to talk to you. I said, okay, let's, let's do it. So we sat it right out here and he started talking to me. And as he was talking to me, something in my spirit um, was not receiving it. And I was measuring his word by the word of God. And it wasn't lining up. And so I said, can I, can I stop you for a moment? He said, yes. I said, uh, tell me about God. And so he started talking about God. God, far off. Never once did he say, Jesus Christ, my Savior King, the one who forgave me of my sins. I put my trust in him. He <laughs> redeemed my soul. He changed my life. And the Holy Spirit came into me. And now I live by the power of the Spirit of the living God. Didn't say any of that. And so I said, I'm going to stop you right there. And I'm going to tell you, I don't receive any prophecy. You have to say, uh, in fact, the reason I don't receive it is because I don't believe you are a born again follower of my Savior King. And I'll say, I don't know if you remember, you didn't meet me, but I saw you the first time you came here. He said, oh yeah? And he said, the first time you came here, you were wearing a Slayer t-shirt with a pentagram. And no one who is born again redeemed by my beautiful Savior would ever wear that in his house. Never. Never. That's all I had to wear. Now you're lying to me. Let me tell you about Jesus. I began to share the gospel message with him. Because at the end of the day, sin indicates that you might believe in God, but he's not personal to you. See, and as I've been thinking about my father and I've been thinking about Jesus and these words called up my daddy the other day and I said hey daddy how you doing and I don't know if he noticed but in my heart I'm back to daddy (laughs) well Jesus got back to daddy too and he gave us the right to call him daddy listen to what the bible says for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you receive the spirit of adoption. What is the spirit of adoption? It's the the spirit of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that you receive. I want you to think about this. When Jesus in John is preparing his disciples for his crucifixion, and that he will be going back to the Father, he tells them, he says, I will not, I don't want you to be worried. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I don't want you to be troubled And I want you to know that I will not leave you as orphans. Those are his exact words. I will not leave you as orphans. In fact, I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. And he talks about the power of the Holy Spirit. And right here, Romans tells us it's the spirit of adoption. That means we won't be orphans. We have a heavenly Father who chose us, who loved us who cared for us, who sent his son even before you were born. But you might say, this is why it's so important. I, I can't get ahead of myself. Let's stay, let's stay th- with this. He's the, he's the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And now we're not distant from God. He's not just God. He's our heavenly Father. And we can say, Daddy, Papa, Father, God this is me again, and he knows you. See, the word Abba is a term of affection and honor. It's it's also rendered Ab or Abba, which means father. More affectionately, it can mean Papa or Daddy. And so Jesus opened the door through the spirit of adoption that we might be sons of the Most High God. That's why when he taught us how to pray, he said, say and pray in this manner. Our Father, Daddy who is in heaven, Papa, my my gracious Father, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, nothing is outside of your grasp or prove you. You are great. Keep with me on this. And so, for now, I want you to understand something. You received the spirit of adoption. I said that already, right? The spirit of adoption is the Holy Spirit. This is what happens when you're saved. You want to know what salvation is? Just simple. And right here, I'm going to explain it on the stage. You're walking away from heaven in your own strength. That's how we're all born. We want to walk rebellious. What does it mean to be rebellious? I want to do what I want to do. I want to do what I want to do. And Somewhere along the way, you hear the gospel message that Jesus Christ came and died for you. That he is the son of God. That he conquered sin and death. And that you can have eternal life by receiving the forgiveness of your sins by his finished work on the cross. What do you mean the finished work on the cross? See, all through the Old Testament, God was giving us signs and shadows of what was to come. What was all that sacrificial system? What was all the idea of the first fruits offering? When you had a crop, when you had certain uh, harvests you couldn't just start eating it. Anyone ever eat the first fruits? They're good. The first peaches of the, of the season, I remember being raised by my grandma and she had peaches galore. We had peaches coming out of our ears. And by the end of the season, you wanted to give them away. But the first ones, when, the, when, when you haven't had them all year long and the first ones come out, oh, those are, ooh. No, God says, those belong to me. I need to be first in your life. And so, so there was a sacrificial system put in place designed to point to who to Jesus, that he would be the ultimate first-fruits offering, firstborn for God's so of the world, that He what gave his firstborn son, that his blood might cover. Your sins redeem you, wash you white as snow. When you hear that, you have a choice to make. Nah or yes. That's how you receive the spirit of the living God. You humble yourself and you say, Lord, I need a savior because I have been sinful. I have done things in my own desires, wanting my own way. And so, when you believe the gospel message that Jesus Christ is the Savior for you, you turn from your way and you say, I'm done living for myself. Now you are my King. That's why, when I describe Jesus, I say, He is my Savior King. He rules. I don't rule anymore. That's what it is to be saved. I trust in you, and I repent. Once that happens, and at the moment that that happens, the Holy Spirit enters into your life. That's what makes you a new creation. You have a new nature. You no longer have that old sinful nature. You have a holy nature, a redeemed nature. You are a new creation according to God's word. The old is gone, the new has come. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life, said Paul. Do you hear that? The Bible also says if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you do not belong to him because the Holy Spirit is your deposit. It's what seals you Until the day you get to heaven. That's what the Bible says. So think, Christians, if I have the Holy Spirit, shouldn't it stand the reason that I walk and live holy? It's just like common sense, it's in His name, Holy Spirit. Not the spirit of bondage and fear. Watch what he said. You may have missed it because I highlighted the second part. I highlighted the spirit of adoption. But watch the first part. You received the spirit of adoption, not the spirit of bondage and fear. What is the spirit of bondage and fear? Well, the spirit of bondage and fear is the opposite of what John tells us in 1 John 4, verse 18. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says this, there is no fear in love. No fear in love. Let's go back to Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, when Paul is talking about adoption. Okay, we got the spirit of adoption, not the spirit of what? Bondage and fear. Everyone with me? Guys, I want to remind you, this church, we preach the Word of God. No, no silly, you know, uh, funny, cute, you know, getting light with it. I mean, no, we're going to get to the Word of God. So watch. We're talking about being adopted as sons. Watch what the Bible says. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that means he chose you before you were you. How? Because God is one in thought and action. God doesn't think like we think. How do we think? I think I'm going to do this. And if it works, then I'll do this. Ooh, and maybe then I'll do this. We think chronologically, right? In order. If God knows all, when he decides to create mankind, he already sees you. He already knows you. And he already knew that Jesus Christ would be the Savior. That's why before the foundation of the earth was, formed, was laid, he already loved you. What does that do about your sin? Because sometimes we think our sin is too great for God to forgive. But God says, I already knew you were going to do it. And I already had made provision. The question is, are you going to receive it? Receive it through faith. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. He will be my Lord and my Savior, my Savior King. Do you get that now? Watch, before the foundation of the world, he had already saved you. That you should be holy and without blame before him in love. Watch that, in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons. By Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us acceptable in the beloved. Oh, Paul, you, you, that is awesome. But what I want to highlight is in his love, right? Love. And he made his sons. Now, think about not the spirit of bondage and go with me back to 1st John 4:18 There is no fear in love. Why? Because God loves you. You don't have to fear him. But, but wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. How, but I thought God was a, a big killjoy and he was out there just ready to smite us. How many of you treat your sons and daughters that way? You just want to smite them. Jesus put it this way to, to a crowd. He said, let's say a son, a small child, asks you as a father for something to eat. Do you give him a snake? That it would, it would bite them and kill them? No. All the fathers say, no, no, we would give our sons food. And this is what he says. Then if you are evil compared to God's goodness... How much more does God love you as his children? See, you don't have to fear him. But perfect love casts out all fear. Now watch. For fear involves torment. What does it mean, torment? It means hell. The only ones that should fear are the ones going to... But you're going to heaven. You've been purchased by the blood of the lamb. You don't have anything to fear anymore. Watch. Not only did you not... Get the spirit of fear. Paul puts it this way to Timothy. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. That's the spirit you have. You might say, Pastor, I'm struggling with some fear. Anyone who's struggling with fear needs to get close to the Holy Spirit. Close to the Holy Spirit. How do I get close to the Holy Spirit? You speak to him. and You say, Father... In heaven, help me to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is in me. Help me to honor you with my life. Help me to be the father you want me to be, the husband you want me to be, the wife you want me to be, the the, the mother you want me to be. Help me to live in such a way, because the closer you get to God, the less fear you have. You say, but aren't we supposed to fear the Lord? This is a different kind of fear. To fear the Lord means, Lord, I know that when I'm walking away from you, things are bad, but I want to live close to you because in living close to you, not only do I experience your love, but I experience your freedom. Watch what the Bible says in Second Corinthians 3, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is? So not only does he bring life, but he brings freedom. See, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of the living God that comes into your life the day you are saved gives you life and freedom. Life and freedom. You go, whoa, wait a minute, what kind of freedom? He just told you. What is this idea of the letter? Go back, go back, watch. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills. What is the letter? If you read the whole chapter, the whole chapter, Paul is is talking about two things. One, the spirit of adoption, becoming sons and daughters of the king, and the law. The law was written on tablets, and it was letters, do's and don'ts. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And he's saying this, When you live by what you cannot do in your own strength, you're going to die. Because the the law was not put there to to save you. The law was meant to show you you need a Savior. It was meant to show you you need a Savior. Come on. Any of us ever look at the law and say, thou shalt not lie? Any liars? Thou shalt not steal. Any steal? (laughs) Thieves? Thou shalt not... Blaspheme the name of the Lord. Don't use God's name in a disrespectful, dishonoring way. Anyone ever do that? Even by accident. You hit your thumb and so three strikes already. (laughs) Jesus said, You ever look at a person and you lust in your heart, you've just committed adultery. Any adulterers? By Jesus' standard? See, the law, the letter kills. What does it mean? It shows you you're on your way to a death sentence but the spirit which saves you because no one comes to the gospel unless the spirit speaks. So if you're here today and you're going, I want what he's talking about, the spirit is speaking to you. You can reject it or you can say yes. I submit to you. And you turn, receive the spirit of adoption and it gives you life because living for Jesus is not about what you can't do. It's about what you get to do. You you get to have an amazing marriage. Because God is for your marriage. Anything that's ever broken marriage is not the spirit. It's something other than the spirit. You get to have an amazing business blessed by God. Why? Because God is for you. He didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of what? Love. I love you, God says. It's not about what you don't get to do. It's about what you get to do, and you are filled with the awesome power of the Holy Spirit of God. Watch this. I read fifteen Romans eight fifteen. Now I'm going to drop down to Romans eight twenty three, and this is where we finish, because this is where I pick it up next week. In Romans eight twenty three, he says this. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits. In the Greek, it doesn't say first fruits. It says first fruit, singular, first fruit. Every time the New Testament uses the word first fruit, it's always singular. But to make sense to English readers, they use an S. I believe the Greek is being very specific because it's saying Jesus was the first fruit offering. Jesus was. There's only one. And watch what it says. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruit of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. What is he talking about here? Anyone read the verse of the day today? Jesus said, I am the resurrection. If you believe in me, you will not die. In this same chapter, chapter 8, the Bible says, if you believe and the Spirit is in you, then the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead will raise you from the dead so watch one day you're going to die and you're going to eagerly await the redemption of your body and just as Jesus was offered as a first fruit offering and the spirit of the living God raised him from the dead and that same spirit lives in you. You have received the spirit of adoption and the spirit of first fruit. And now you are changed and you have heaven to look forward to. But this is the beauty. God in all this scripture is saying, stop just looking towards heaven. Yes, heaven is important and you eagerly await it. But all these promises... Have a purpose on earth too. Have a purpose on earth that you might live free, that you might live in the fullest way possible, that you might live holy by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you hear me? So you have been made free, you have been given life. You no longer have to be under the control of sin and the enemy. You can live according to the promise of Almighty God, waiting, yes, for heaven, but also calling heaven down. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In my life here on earth, even as it is done in heaven, even as it is done in heaven, oh, Lord, teach me how to live for you now. Why? Because in his freedom, I am free. I am free. I no longer have the spirit of bondage and fear. That's the way I used to live. I used to live in bondage and fear. Now I live by faith. I know that you are for me, Lord. I know that every circumstance, every situation, do you hear now what Paul means when he says, in every circumstance, every situation, rejoice. Give thanks. You want to hear something? Romans 8, 28 says what? What is it? For God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Right? All things work together. This is what it means to live by the power of the, of the spirit of adoption, the spirit of first fruits, by the spirit of all living God. Lord, I know, I know that I know that I know. All I have to do is trust you, God. I don't know how you're gonna do it. I don't know when you're gonna do it. I don't know all the details, but I do know this. I know who holds my life. I know in whom I have trusted in. And I know, come on, I'm talking to someone here today. I'm talking to a mother who's wondering about their child. And you can say hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Because I know that I know that I know that I can trust you, God. I'm talking to someone here today that's wondering about their situation and their circumstance. Don't let the enemy bring you under a spirit of fear and bondage. Walk in the freedom that Christ has given. I gotta get out of here. Are you ready? Are you ready to live free? That's what it means to be a Christian. Don't ever say it means to be a Christian, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. It's not about what we can't do. It's about a life worth living for an epic purpose, for an epic purpose. Lord, you gave your body to be broken. I just want to say one thing. I said it in first service and I forgot to say it here. Someone asked me the other day, say, Pastor, why don't you give an invitation for those to be saved? I stopped doing that a while back because I've learned that people will come in, they'll hear me preach, and they may get excited and say, I wanna accept the Lord. Um, But that doesn't save you. What saves you is the gospel message. The gospel message, and I've told you it all, is you put your faith in Christ, and once you put your faith in Christ, You repent. My sin, I give it to you, Lord. Wash it white as snow and let me walk in holiness, God. Doesn't mean you won't fall, but your direction is very different. Your direction is no longer for yourself. Your direction is for the cross, heaven. And so that's the only way it can happen is by the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, but how do I get that? Just like that. Lord, I put my faith in you. I confess what is happening in my heart. I'm done. I'm done. And I need your help, Lord, by the power of your spirit. And if you do that, you will be saved. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the spirit of adoption, freedom and love, power and a sound mind. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Church, have a great day.